we should never comment on a person's body, good or bad. Mm. But yeah. shall we talk about Bessie's post-baby body? Bounced right back. Looking snatched. Looking like a <laughs> looking like a snack. Looking like she um, was never pregnant at all. So crazy. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Maybe that might contribute to the unrealistic standards women hold themselves to to bounce back after a baby. Nineties television. Who knew? Oh, Dawson, look, there's your mom. Back to you, Bob. Welcome to Back to You, Bob, a Dawson's Creek podcast with Christina and Micah. This is episode 108. Escape from New York. Yeah. So we're eight in already, which is bananas. bananas. Why don't you tell us about our Dawson's drink? This week, we're drinking light beer. We're doing light beer because there's just a kegger in this episode. And <laughs> yeah. we were like, let's just do something easy. I'm drinking Miller Lite, which is a family favorite. But in high school, it probably would have been like a Keystone, Keystone Light. In college, we had Milwaukee's Best. Mm, you guys were fancy. Milwaukee's Best is literally the worst beer <laughs> on the planet. I thought you Miller Lite was the worst. How dare you? Well, the worst the worst is in like easiest to like shoot back because it's mm. like so watered down. Milwaukee's best we called Beast. The frats would buy it because it was the cheapest thing and they would just be like, here, get drunk and make out with each other. In high school, we did Coors Light, Bud Light, and Miller Light and I thought we were trash, but maybe we were fancy. Did you ever do Andre? The champagne? It's like really cheap. I think, yeah, it's like flavored champagne. I don't know. We used to drink it in college. Anyway, enjoy your light beer. Yes. Drink with us, laugh with us. I'm going to dive into the recap. In this episode, we start with Dawson in his room. He's struggling to find something to watch. And in comes Joey through the window. And she's really sleep deprived from baby Alexander keeping her up all night. And Dawson is scrolling through old classic movie channels. And he asks, whatever happened to those old protagonists, the ones that are likable but not self-involved, the ones that are smart but not arrogant, and by the time he turns around to Joey to get an answer, she's asleep and drooling. So the main story in this episode is Jen and Dawson. They're in a really good place right now. As you may remember, Dawson was being really controlling in the beginning, and Jen was keeping secrets. But recently, he's apologized and said he would try and do better, and she put all of her cards out on the table, which is that she really came to Cape Side because her parents caught her having sex in their bed, and she was sexualized way too young and taken advantage of. So they're really in a good place where she's being honest and he is trying to be less controlling. But now in strolls into town, her ex-boyfriend, Billy, and he really throws a wrench into their newfound happiness and into their little honeymoon phase. Jan explains that Billy was the one that her parents caught her with in their bed, but he was actually a really nice guy. He was one of the good ones. You know, he didn't take advantage of her. He didn't treat her badly. He respected her. Dawson, of course, spirals, but Jen tells Billy that she's changed in the last two or three months. She really has, and she's with Dawson now. But Jen asked Dawson to let Billy sleep at his house for one night so he could drive back the next morning to New York while rested. Dawson doesn't know what to do because if he says no, he looks insecure and petty. And if he says yes, then he looks like, in his word, a patsy. So he asks Joey for advice. And there's the scene where he really compares him and his dad. And he says, you know, the leery men must be cursed romantically. 
because of everything that Mitch is going through with Gail having the affair. So back to Jen, you know, she feels very torn between the two guys. And it's obvious that she's had real feelings for Billy back in New York. So when he asks for a goodbye kiss, she gives him one. You know, he says, I'll leave. Just give me a kiss. And she plants one on him. Nothing crazy. But later at Cliff Elliott's party, Billy uses that kiss to his advantage. And he can't wait to tell Dawson about it and rub it in his face, which leads to a huge fight between Dawson and Jen, where he makes a really below the belt comment about how everyone in New York has been with Jen. So, of course, Billy has too. And Dawson has made comments throughout the episode about Jen's past. And... It's really below the belt. So meanwhile, we have Pacey and Joey who bond this episode a little bit when they attend a party together. Joey sees Dawson and Jen together at the party, which makes her spiral and she gets drunk on the beer. And she almost gets taken advantage of by another guy, but Pacey punches him out and saves her. So Pacey and Dawson take Joey home and Pacey is really cute. And he's like kind of wooing and serenading baby Alexander with the plot of the English patient to get him to go back to sleep. Because Joey's reference that the English patient is the only thing that puts him to sleep. So meanwhile, Dawson's putting Joey to bed and she kisses him in a drunken stupor. And Pacey tells Dawson that it was way more than a drunken kiss. Joey has feelings for Dawson and Dawson has feelings for Joey. And they're going to have to deal with this sooner or later. So at the end of the episode, when Dawson finds Jen, she really can't shake off his comments. And she says to him, you know, her way of dealing with problems is to retreat into a relationship, into the arms of a man. And she's tired of that. She needs to choose herself and be alone for a while. She sent Billy packing, and now it's time to send Dawson packing. She dumps him, and he does not take it well. So meanwhile, we have Mitch and Gail, who are fresh from their couple's retreat, where they tried to reconnect. You know, they weren't in the last episode because they were there. And per their couple's therapist, they're supposed to try new things together. So they try scuba diving and all these new activities And it's not working. Mitch keeps lashing out at her. And he says he can't stop lashing out because he says he can't get the image of her naked with Bob out of his head. And he says it just hurts too much right now. And he'll maybe stop acting this way when it stops hurting. So Mitch decides at the end of the episode, you know what? They don't need to try new things. They need to go back to old things. And they share a really romantic dance out on the front porch. Gail tries to kiss him, but Mitch says they need to take things slow right now. And that's episode 108. This episode was story by Charles Rosen and Karen Rosen and teleplay by Daniel Barada and John Harmon Feldman. So Charles Rosen was an executive producer on this season of the show. Karen Rosen is his wife. Charles Rosen worked on this, obviously. Northern Exposure... 90210, A Remington Steel, A St. Elsewhere, a bunch of TV movies. Like he has kind of a long career. His wife was also a writer on 90210. And then she kind of falls off the writing game and is doing some acting and doing some of these like co-writing with him. So they seem like a cool pair. They must have pitched the story. And then Dana and John wrote the actual script. Yes, exactly. So Dana, you remember, co-wrote episode five, Hurricane, one of our faves. Mm -hmm. And John Harmon Feldman wrote Carnal Knowledge, 104, and Look Who's Talking, 106. And they came together to write this one. Like we talked about in episode six, story by means the story was pitched and then teleplay by means they wrote the actual script. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, let's say Charlie's in the room and he pitches like, what if Jen's ex came back? 
and kind of threw everything into a tizzy, he would get the story by credit. Maybe he went off with his wife and wrote the outline for the episode, which is really just a Microsoft Word document, prose form, paragraph form. You know, in this scene, Jen and Dawson get into a fight. Sometimes you could use quotes that'll make it into the script or not. But Mm -hmm. that basically means that Dana and John wrote the script and like the screenwriting program and that Charles and his wife would have pitched the story area or written the outline. Nice. This episode was directed by Michael Fields, who directed an episode of a show called Forever, which was post-supervised by yours truly many moons ago. Oh my God. Wait, did you say so you worked with him? Like, yeah. did you work with him? TV shows, as you can tell, are gun for hire. Directors come in and do an episode and then take off for the most part. And they are entitled to, depending on the length of the show for a one hour, they're entitled to come into editorial for four days and sit with the editor and create what we call the director's cut. So usually I would meet a director of any series that I work on for at least that week that they're working on their cut. But forever, we were posting in LA and they were shooting in New York. So sometimes the directors would remote cut their episodes. Mm -hmm. He was one of those that I didn't meet in person, but I interacted with over the phone and email. He was a really nice guy. So props to you, Michael Fields. He has so many credits. This is his only episode of Dawson's, but he directed a couple of Sex in the Cities, Felicity, Roswell, Cupid, The Shield, a handful of Gossip Girls. And then he directed nine episodes of Veronica Mars and 14 episodes of iZombie. So there's a little Rob Thomas cross. Rob Thomas, yeah. Yeah. To his credit, I noticed some really unique like directorial choices in this episode. So there's this shot where Dawson sees Billy and Jen talking for the first time. And he's kind of like, who is that guy? There's an over-the-shoulder shot of Dawson's point of view where he's eavesdropping, watching them, which I thought was really interesting. It just kind of struck me as a shot we really haven't seen before on this show. And then there's another shot where Mitch and Gail are having a very awkward conversation in the kitchen. And they look up at Dawson. And Dawson's at the stairwell, which, again, we've never really seen that perspective yes i noticed that too and then there was when dawson finds jen on the dock at the end when he looks out his window there's a really fast zoom into dawson's face and these are just three like three things i clocked i was like who directed this episode because feels like it has a different feel to it this dawson shot i just pulled it up it's cool yeah it's at the eight minute mark if anyone wants to check it out it just (laughs) it it just it struck me as interesting and like they were trying something new so i was like who directed this i need to know the story here we're playing with different dynamics in this episode which we'll get into like there's obviously billy is a completely new character but we have more joey pacey interaction in this one and we have a whole new mitch and gail dynamic obviously they're trying to work through their stuff so the, the blueprint wasn't there for him. So I think he did a really good job. Yeah, I wonder maybe if they wanted a heavy hitter director to, because there's a big party scene, a lot of background, a lot of moving yeah. parts. It's on location. It's at a house. So it's not one of their usual locations. So maybe they wanted someone who's really going to hit the ground running. Good job, Michael Fields. Job, Michael Fields. Plug forever. The show you worked on with him. <laughs> forever was an amazing show. Forever was good. He dies every episode, right? And then he comes back at the beginning of every episode. So it's Yoan Griffith, who's, you would know him if you saw his face. You would definitely know him. Because he, I mean, wasn't he Mr. Fantastic in the Fantastic Four movie? Yeah. He plays an immortal guy who, when he dies, he is reborn in a body of water. 
And by reborn, I mean he just comes to in a body of water, but he's completely naked. So that adds a little spice to when it happens every time. But his son is played by Judd Hirsch, who is not immortal. So obviously it's a little bit of a role reversal there. Like the older man is playing the son of the younger looking actor. And Judd Hirsch was in The Fablemans with Michelle Williams and also showing up with Michelle Williams. So all roads lead back to Dawson's. To Dawson's. Check it out. CWTV. Yeah, it was a good show. Should we do guest cast shout out? Yeah, guest cast shout out. Bow, 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 bow. I think it's Ian Bailey. It's got to be Billy Conrad. Yeah, and while I really don't like Billy, I think he's really annoying. Which we're probably supposed to feel that way. I do love him as an actor. He's constantly working. He's worked really consistently. Yeah, he was in Fight Club, Almost Famous, Center Stage, Band of Brothers. He had an arc on ER. He had a arc on Covert Affairs, which is a crossover with Alan Arkish. Mm. Alan Arkish was the directing producer on Covert Affairs. So there you go. All roads lead back to Dawson's. And he's in a show now, which I haven't seen from on Epic. Yes, it's supposedly very good show. It kind of has that lost kind of a vibe. It's basically about a town. When you drive into the town, you can't get out of the town. It's supposedly very good. I see billboards for it everywhere. I haven't watched it because I don't get that network, but I do really want to get it just to watch it. It has Harold Perrineau. Oh, yeah, from from Lost. Lost. From Lost, yeah. Yeah. People have been talking about it for a long time. I think uh, the second season's about to start. Nice. Yeah, he is definitely playing a part in this one. Like, at first I was like, is he doing like a Rat Pack thing? Or is he doing like a mob thing? Like, he has this very weird New York. It didn't stick out to me when I watched. I mean, I love all crew. I support everyone. But I don't know what costumes was thinking uh, when when it came to Billy. What are his shirts? His shirts are so weird. They're like 70s. And his leather jacket. It's not like a Fonz leather jacket. He's very 70s. Speaking of jackets, speaking of clothes, speaking of costumes, speaking of wardrobe, we got so many replies about Dawson in the vests in episode two. <laughs> yes. People were like, Chandler wore a vest. Uncle Jesse wore a vest. And it's true. They did. I, I just couldn't think of any in that moment. I only thought of Yanni and Michael Bolton. But <laughs> what I need to say is that in this episode, Jen says to Dawson, nice vest. I like your vest. But it's a sweater vest. <laughs> and I I will say, I I loved a sweater vest. An Argyle sweater vest? Oh, my God. Lo- like, I wore them all the time. His vest in episode two, I don't want to go back. I don't want to live in the past. <laughs> he was wearing a tuxedo vest over a dress shirt. That's all. That's all. That's all. I love a sweater vest. I love a sweater vest moment. And not now. God. No. Never now. Dawson loves all vests. He doesn't discriminate. <laughs> but anyway... I stand corrected that Chandler Bing and Uncle Jesse wore a uh, vest. Uncle Jesse, I feel like could pull anything off. Totally. Dawson doesn't have that swagger. He sure doesn't. As a Dawson fan, as a Dawson stan, some of this is getting real cringy. I'm not gonna lie. I say it every time. This episode was tough. (laughs) This episode was tough for me, though, across, kind of across the board. Jen, oof. Dawson, oof. Pacey, love. This was the perfect episode for Pacey. Anyway, let's we'll get it, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Music moment. I I can only think of one true music moment. Oh, I have a couple on this one. I mean, is yours Blink One Eighty Two? Well, of course. I mean, you guys, <laughs> Blink One Eighty Two just reunited at Coachella, and I was at work watching the clips, and I. I had a full breakdown. I just started sobbing. I was like, what is wrong with me? Same. I mean, I was at home, but I teared up 
So when it comes to song choice, Blink-182, yes, but it, it plays, uh, it's like a transition scene where they're setting up the party. So it doesn't really register to me as like a impactful music moment. But based on song choice, yes, I would pick Blink-182. I love Blink-182. Oh when God. I watched rewatched this episode for the first time before Coachella and I was like, oh my God, Blink-182, I saw them so many times in concert in high school, probably like five, six times, like where are you? I'm so sorry. That one got me in the Coachella video. That's when I started crying too. I know, but they also played Damn It at Coachella. Why do you think we cried? Are we broken? Oh my God. Are there are any of you therapists? <laughs> will you tell us why we cry at anything we 90s? We need help. We need help. <laughs> we are broken. What what was your which song stood out to you oh i i like the song at the end when mitch and gail are dancing it's just nice it's a nice moment not me being 40 and like connecting with mitch and gail every episode <laughs> what is wrong with me oh speaking of <laughs> micah is 40 now i know i'm 40 now which is actually not that bad <laughs> after a week full of psychotic breaks <laughs> i could say that it really is not that bad i'm glad to hear it that one is called Green Apples by Chantel Kreviazuk. Chantal Kreviazuk is one of those people who has, she has music littered throughout Dawson's. I only know it because the guy at the end who used to be like, the music in this oh, episode, Chantal Kreviazuk. Well, that's so funny because I, that didn't actually ring my bell at all. The other song that I liked was evaporated by Ben Folds 5 and it's when Jen and Dawson are breaking up at the end and it yes. wasn't even when I heard it I was like whoa Ben Folds 5 like it does not remind me of Dawson's at all it does not like I had no recollection of this song being in it but it does bring me back to a place in a time like that album I really liked so yeah it was a good one that's so funny because I was not a Ben Folds fan but he has a song in season two they have a song in season two it's a funeral episode, wink, wink. And so I, I always attribute Ben Folds to Dawson's. I think I became a Ben Folds fan way later than this. And I, I'm excited now to get there. Because yeah. this one, I was like, whoa, like I, I was really stoked to hear it. Yeah, it was a great episode for music. I mean, it really was. Yeah, there's an NXS song too when Joey's getting sloppy, which we can talk about yeah. down the line. But the last few episodes have been a little lackluster with music. I feel like as far as those unforgettable music moments, mm -hmm. but I think we're we're kicking it up now. As always, our playlist is updated. Spotify. We'll link it in the show Spotify. notes. So I think we're gonna open it up now. Yeah. I wrote down a lot Let's at the very it. beginning of the episode. Joey comes to Dawson's and she's exhausted, as you said, and she spends the night. We're coming off 107 where they have this really high emotionally charged moment right before the credits of her knowing she's in love with Dawson and Jen knowing she's in love with Dawson and Dawson not knowing that she's in love with Dawson. So it was it was weird for me to see that just like so her so casually come to Dawson's and just and him be like okay spend the night I don't know Christina Dawson's house is her north star I know that's why they're meant to be together but if I were Jen and I saw I mean I guess she's not going to change she's not going to change a routine and a friendship that's been there forever yeah. but if I were Jen and I saw Joey climbing through my boyfriend's window a couple days after she confessed she was in love with him I would feel weird so we have really not talked about climbing through the window. The climbing through the window is a really pivotal part of the series. 
It's it's I don't even know how to describe it. It's Joey always climbs through Dawson's window. There's a ladder at the side of the house. It's just how she comes and goes. Mm -hmm. She never goes through the front door. When she goes through the front door, I don't know if you remember in season four, it's like weird. Mm -hmm. Jen uses the ladder, wants to go through the window. And I, I'm like, ah, <laughs> don't use the ladder. It's just interesting. The, the ladder we haven't talked about, but I feel like it does have like a very significant role in the series. I can't really put it into words. It comes back way later at the end of the series when they're doing all these nostalgic nods to the the beginning. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I don't want to spoil anything, but it comes back a lot and it just kind of shows this comfortability between Dawson and Joey. Yeah, it's very Sam and Clarissa. Did you watch Clarissa Explains It All? Yes. Clarissa Explains It All wasn't as deep. They didn't spend much time like explaining to you dynamics of people, but you know the fact that he has this ladder up against her house and that's how he gets to her. It just immediately explains the dynamic. They're so tight. So let's say you're Mitch and Gail. Let's say you and your partner have a kid. Your kid wants to put a ladder up against the house to let their best friend of the opposite sex go through or the same sex. doesn't really matter. What, what do you do? I think that the 90s were a different time from like a safety perspective. <laughs> My son was always leaving his window open with a ladder up to it. I would be like, we're going to all die. I listen to too many murder podcasts. Someone is coming in and it's not going to be your little best friend. <laughs> but from a parenting friend standpoint, absolutely. I, I think it's really important to have those close friendships and like close relationship no matter who it is. And they've been so close for so long, right? Like they were little kids doing this. Like, Yeah, I I'd like to think I I would. I don't really know what I would do in terms of that. I guess sure. it depends on your kid, right? Do you trust your kid or do you not? Are you raising a Dawson or a Jen? <laughs> Are you going to say a Pacey? Oh, no. Pacey. I trust Pacey. Pacey's a little dweeb at heart. Okay. So what I wanted to say, this is such a good episode for Pacey. He is in his full Pacey element. He's like, he's so funny. He's so cute. He's like protective. He's cute with the baby. He's cute with Joey. This was the quintessential Pacey episode, I would say. Mm -hmm. He made me laugh. He made me smile. He made me feel good. He was a good friend to everyone, the side character, but also like really just shined in all of the scenes that he was in. And it was a great Pacey episode, honestly. It, it was. Cliff Elliot is throwing this party and they catch wind of it. And Pacey wants to go and he comes to Joey at the ice house and says, I'm going to this party. I couldn't find a date, which is probably BS, but I'm going to this party, like, come with me. And she's like, no, I can't. I'm too busy. And he's like, Dawson's going to be there. And Bessie throws her a bone, which is so sweet. And is like, no, go. We'll figure it out. We'll cover you, whatever. And I feel like that's the first time they've been, like, slowly having moments of, like, bonding and friendship. And this is the first time where, like, he really, like, one, he didn't have to do that. And two, he's just really trying to help her out and, like, build her up and make her happy. Because they get to the party. It wasn't a ploy. There was nothing sexual or anything between them. Like, they get to the party and he's like, oh, that girl's the girl in my dreams. They're very much so there as friends. It was just cute. I didn't interpret it that way at all. I interpreted that Pacey, <laughs> Pacey needed someone to go with. So he reached out to her and was like, just come. You know, like, you don't want to show up at a party alone. He, he's, like, using her as a plus one. That's how I took it. But Dawson was going. He could have just gone with Dawson. Did he know? I don't know if he knew Dawson was going. He said Dawson's going to be there. And that's oh, okay. what switched for Joey to go. And he said Dawson's going to be there stag. Like he knew that Jen was not going and Dawson was going. Right. So he could have very right. easily have that. gone with Dawson. That might be. You might be actually right. Because Joey shows up to the video store and Pacey's working and sleep deprived. And 
Yeah, she is miserable in the in the scene before in the video store and he gets confirmation from her. She blows him off when he asks about Dawson and he's like, oh yeah, she's in love with Dawson. Like he kind of right. gets what Actually, he needs. yeah, I think, yeah, you convinced me. I think Pacey maybe did ask Joey because she was so sleep deprived and miserable when he saw her last. I would buy that. Yeah, Okay. I think he's I'm throwing convinced. her a bone. So what happens is Joey shows up the video store and ask for the English patient because it's the only thing that puts baby Alexander to sleep. And they kind of talk about Jen and how her ex is in town and Pacey calls Joey out on having feelings for Dawson and which since it was called out for the first time during Breakfast Club Saturday Detention, it's kind of like fodder now. They can use it. He calls her out on it and then yeah, the next time they see each other is when he shows up to the ice house and is asking her to go to the party and she's working at the ice house which is the restaurant that her and her sister own and she keeps messing up because she's so sleep deprived and overwhelmed mm-hmm. and that that's why bessie is like just go 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 because joey's kind of messing everything up i think it was all cute. right i buy it all right let's stay on the dawson joey pacey train for a minute because i have a lot to say about billy and jen but before we open up that can of worms so they go to the party pacey never made any promises to joey like oh we're gonna hang out together he just kind of brought her to the party and then he goes off and talks to somebody else so she's standing there and dawson comes up Let's back the train up. So Cliff Elliott, played by Scott Foley, who we love, who's been a previous guest cast shout out, kind of goes up to Dawson at at the beginning of the episode and was like, oh, does Jen have a boyfriend? And Dawson was like, "Uh, yeah, me, which I think is a small thing you wouldn't really think about. But I think it feeds Dawson's insecurity that like no one knows they're dating. Jen isn't really Mm -hmm. like publicizing this. So it's a small little detail that you wouldn't really think about. But I think it feeds Dawson's insecurity. We're like, Why don't people know that we're dating? Is she embarrassed of me? Things like that. So later, they're supposed to go together, but they have this fight. So Dawson's going stag. He runs into Joey. They have a very cute exchange where he's pretending to be a jock. And he's like, hey, like, let's get drunk. And like, oh, I'm a jock on the football team kind of a thing. And she was like, I don't know. Cheer cheer practice is just keeping me so occupied. They do a funny little exchange where they're mocking popular kids. They agree to go rent a movie and go home. He goes to get a drink, which he basically makes like a seltzer water. And Jen shows up and she's like, Billy's gone. Dawson and Jen have like a really cute kiss, actually. They nuzzle each (laughs) other's heads and it's kind of cute. So then that is when Dawson and Jen kind of go off. And then this very creepy man who looks like Thor shows up and, and points out to Joey, oh, I know Dawson Leary. You know, he's he just went off with that blonde girl and he points out Dawson and Jen who are headed towards the water. And that's when Joey spirals. Dawson basically ditched her, which is such a dick move. And that's mm-hmm. when Joey starts pounding beers. Oh, it is a cute kiss. I just pulled it up. Dawson and Jen were kind of cute, even though she's the worst and he's the worst. And I know, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, every time I say I don't like Jen, someone attacks me <laughs> on Instagram and... I don't know what to tell you. I'm allowed to have an opinion. Jen is not likable this season. Yeah. Seasons two through six. I love Jen. I really liked her the first few episodes. And then like she just started falling apart. We've talked about it. She's being fake. She's like not being her true self. It reads as like she's waffling. She's oscillating. Mm -hmm. And it's annoying to watch. During her breakup with Dawson, she's like, I get it. I'm pretty. I'm hot. (laughs) I'm pretty. I'm lucky. I'm fortunate. And I'm still not happy. Therapist, write in. What's the answer? We need you. Joey Joey Potter would never. Joey Potter would never have that confidence. And that's why we love her. So speaking of Joey, poor Joey is left alone with this man who has long 
long, luscious blonde hair, earrings, a chin beard. He is the worst. He is my nightmare. He is my nightmare. Yeah. No, agreed. His hair is nicer than mine, and I have really nice hair. I don't know if I agree with that. I think his hair is disgusting. The cut isn't good, but you can cut hair to be whatever. This was a full-grown 30-year-old man at this high school party. Oh, my God. That was cast to be a 16-year-old, which is what is happening. So he's bringing Joey drinks. He's getting her drunk. He's putting in the work. He really thinks he's going to land this plane. And then they're standing on the beach, and she is so drunk that she's swaying. And he kind of like has his arms around her and Joey goes, what are we dancing? And he goes, we'll do whatever you want, sweetie, or whatever he calls her. Disgusting. And Pacey notices, walks up and says, okay, Joe, and like takes her drink. And he's trying to wrap things up. And the guy is so aggressive. And he's like, no, she doesn't want to leave. And Joey's like, I don't want to leave. So drunk. Go so ahead. this is a good past versus present. I always thought that Joey said, I don't want to leave. The captions say that Joey says, Pace, I want to leave. Oh. And then Pacey punches the guy. Of course, captions can be wrong. I mean, humans put in the captions. But I always thought she said, Pacey, I don't want to leave. But now I think she says, Pace, I want to leave. Interesting. I'm on HBO. And I think the captions are definitely wrong. Only because leading up to that, she's, I think, says... Are we dancing? But in the captions, it says, I hate dancing. Okay, so you just think the captions are all wrong. Listening to it again a few times, I don't think you can tell what she says. She kind of says, slaughter leaf, Pacey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, write in. Write us. Tell us what you think she says. Does she say, Pace, I want to leave, or Pace, I don't want to leave? Either way, Pacey saves her, and it's amazing. It's an amazing Pacey moment. Whether she wants to leave or not, she needs to leave. I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to tell you when there are good Pacey Joey moments. And this is a a good Pacey Joey episode. It is. So Pacey pulls the guy, or whatever. Pacey and the guy start talking to each other, and the guy tries to punch Pacey. Pacey dodges it, and then Pacey punches the guy and knocks him out. And Mm -hmm. that's when Dawson runs up. And Joey's like, Dawson, you're my hero. It's very funny. It's fun. I thought it was funny. It's like Pacey doesn't need the credit. Uh, Why not? (laughs) Because I don't know. He's Pacey. He's like, he's like humble and cute. I don't think Pacey looks for outside validation the way that Dawson does. True. What else you got in your little bag of tricks? (laughs) Do you have any other past first present moments while we're chatting about that? No. The only thing that I have is this reminded me so much of... Like, if you cut this party into an eighth of the size and put it in the suburbs, it just reminded me of my high school parties and, like, the Blink-182 really brought me back. It just really brought me back to those early days of drinking beer and just, like, having fun with your friends and, like, felt very nostalgic. Yeah, and it was really refreshing to see these kids go to a party because they've they've been so wholesome up until now. Mm -hmm. Um, It was good to just see them do something bad. Yeah, definitely. It's cute. Cute, cute. Okay, so, Billy. Billy Conrad. Yeah, not my favorite. I'll be honest. I I just, you know, he's in this episode. He's in the next episode. They're not my favorite episodes. Just, I I just, I don't really care that much about Jen and her past, if I'm being 1000% honest. So, you know, these episodes are kind of a blah to me. But Billy, he's here for a short time. I'm not really sure how invested I am in any of the Billy Jen stuff. So, Billy comes to town and you get the impression off the bat that he is like this. He's unwelcome. He's this like bad boy coming in, trying to shake things up with Jen. But really what we come to learn is that at a certain point, Jen called Billy the love of her life. And like they had a very true real relationship. She admits halfway through the episode 
that Billy was different than all the other guys she's been with and that he was so respectful and so kind and that he really was like truly a good guy to her. And the way that I understand it, her parents caught her and Billy together in their bed and then she was pretty much shipped off and they had no closure and there were, it was just kind of like, okay, now you're off to Cape Side. And she acts like he's coming. He's so like, how dare you be here? Are you kidding? If if like someone who told me I was the love of their life suddenly got shipped off, of course I would drive three hours to try to go have at least a conversation with them. Yeah. She waffles a lot. She oscillates back and forth. And I think it's because she's like we've talked about, I think she's like struggling between who she is and who she thinks she should be and who Grams thinks she should be and all these things. And it just comes across as really inauthentic. I mean, looking back on it now, you can kind of see it's a girl who's just trying to find herself. But at the time, I remember thinking, God, I can't stand this girl. And even in her conversation with Dawson, when she's dumping him, she is so resolute in breaking up with him. And she's like, we're done. We're done. It's over. It's over. And then within two seconds, she's going, I know I'll regret this decision. I'll regret this for the rest of my life. And then I'll see you with someone and I'll be jealous and I'll wish it was me. And I have no right to think that, but I will. Just like, girl. Got it together. Got to pick a lane. Yeah, there's just something about it. But I think she's struggling between who she is and who she was and who she's pretending to be. As 2014 Micah would say, girl, you slop. She slop. She (laughs) is sloppy. (laughs) Okay, so Billy comes to town early morning. He says he drove all night and she says New York is three hours away. And he says, I got lost. And then at the end of the school day. She skips school to spend the day with him. And then at at the end of the day, Dawson's coming home and he sees Billy and Jen talking. And in that conversation before Dawson comes up, Billy says, I'm way too beat to make the drive back. Like it's it's not safe. I need somewhere to stay. Which like, Billy, it's three o'clock. Take a nap in your car and get on the road. Obviously, he has ulterior motives, but Dawson comes up and says, is everything okay? And Jen pulls Dawson aside and she's like, can Billy stay at your house tonight? What? I know. And then Dawson goes, I don't even know him. And she goes, I've told you about Billy before. And Dawson goes, is he the guy that your parents caught you in bed with in New York? And she's like, yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine asking your partner, like, hey, you know that really crazy thing I told you about? This is my ex-boyfriend who's still in love with me. Can he stay at your house? No. Yeah. I mean, it would be an immediate no, but I see Dawson struggle. You know, if you say no, you don't want to say no to your partner, but it's a big ask. It's a big ask. It's a a big emotional ask for Dawson. The fact that his parents were like, yeah, sure. No problem. Definitely. Bring in this guy. It feels insane to me. However, if my partner asked if I would let one of their exes, who's their friend, stay with me here, I think I would. I think I would say yes. But but it's again, but they're not friends. Who's not friends? Like, oh, her and her. I get what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, it, it feel it felt crazy at the time, and it still feels crazy. But I think maybe a part of me gets it a little. Like if someone you love and respect trusts and loves and respects this person, and she did go on a tangent about how much she respects him and how he respected her. I mean, maybe you would think, oh, they're not a killer. Totally, I. I agree with you. And I feel like at our age and our emotional maturity is like different age. It's their age. Like I couldn't imagine going to my parents and being like, this person needs to stay here tonight. Uh, It's Jen's ex from New York. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know him, but let's, let's give him a shot. Yeah. 
It's crazy. It is crazy. It's really bold. I think it's really bold. Like everything Jen does in this episode is just a little bit nutty to me. It's not a good Jen episode. It's Dawson. not a good episode for anyone except Pacey, I feel. Joey, Joey, Pacey. Joey's trying her best. Yeah, Joey, Joey's a star. We're all here for Joey. Yeah. Like it's obvious that Billy's a creep. We There was a whole interaction with Billy and Pacey at the top, which was actually really funny. Billy pulls up and asks Pacey for directions to the high school and the fisherman sitting next to him is drinking a beer. So cheers to that. That's what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> Pacey is sitting on the bench next to this fisherman and he is just so cute. And it's just such a funny scene. Pacey's like talking to this guy like he's his friend and it's like an funny. old drunk fisherman. It's it's very funny and it's very it cute. And it's before school. Like he just got up early and went and sat on a bench. But then Billy gets there, Jen sees Billy, and she comes up and goes, hi, Billy, please leave. I mean, can we also, we've talked about Cape Side High and how it's terrible, but like, this man, this man just from New York can in. stroll in. It's pre-9-11. Anything goes. Wow, true, I guess. Look, he has a lot of chest hair. And <laughs> and on a show with 15, 14-year-olds, it just, it really just reads, it's a little old. And it's weird and it's creepy and he has a leather jacket and it's just weird. It's just weird. Billy is weird. Billy sucks. Jen sucks. Dawson is his usual really annoying. He's like, Jen, I'm going to this party and I want you to come with me and I want us to have a good time. My thing with Dawson is I see where he's coming from a lot of the time, but the dialogue always goes a little bit too far. And I wish the writers didn't take it that far because I'm a Dawson apologist, but... I can't apologize for some of the things that he said. Like he makes a comment to her when he's basically like, how do you think this affects me? Your ex is in town. You're asking him to stay with me. And he's had you from every place to like Bryant Park to whatever the hell he says, like Times Square. Like he's had her. I don't know. There's always something that always goes like a step too far with Dawson. And I'm just like, what were they thinking? Now, at the same time, From a writer's perspective, your protagonist needs to go on a journey every episode, right? They need to want something. They need to get knocked down. They need to make mistakes. They need to be flawed. They need to learn something about themselves. No one wants to to show about a Pollyanna being perfect 100% of the time. I just feel like we're seeing the same lesson from Dawson over and over again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But again, that could be because it was a week-to-week show. But I think he's a perfectionist and he's an idealist. He's a control freak. But I think we're kind of trying to see him let that go a little bit. He holds people to a high standard because I think he live he is at a high standard. Like he lives he lives his life by a high standard. And he expects everyone to kind of meet him there, and not everyone's there. And not everyone has the same standards. He thinks that everyone should be living to the standard that he's holding for himself, which I've said it before. But like he's privileged. He doesn't have. I mean, now his parents are going through this rough patch and. He has a little bit of stuff going on in his life, but before he had no adversity. Yeah. He, was, he wasn't fighting against anything. Yeah, I, I just think from a writer's perspective, your character needs to go on a little bit of a journey. And I think that's his journey. I think he's he's just going from being a controlling, selfish, idealistic character to someone who's going to learn to kind of loosen the reins. And by the end of the series, I think he has changed a lot. It's just we're in a dark time right now. But... You know, your characters need to be flawed. Definitely. And he is. They yeah, all are. They all are. But he, I mean, he's very, he is very flawed. I mean, some of it really is cringe watching back, but at the time it worked. That's all you could say at the time it worked. This episode, I know I touched on it last episode with the Pacey stuff, but he does the same thing where when somebody pisses him off, he like just really 
pulls out all the stops and has the below the belt comment. And there's a scene where Jen and Dawson are at the party and they're having their conversation and she's trying to apologize to him. And then Billy comes up and tells Dawson that Jen gave Billy a goodbye kiss and Dawson loses his mind. Billy says, she was with me before she ever even entered your fantasies. And Dawson says, you and everybody else. Yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. I think the way that maybe could be explained away is that Dawson's being manipulated in that moment. He's being led to believe that, that Jen had a very passionate kiss with this man and it really wasn't that so billy is manipulating dawson and then dawson blurts out this attack which is below the belt and i think it's very much showing his age like you were saying if he were older and more mature then maybe it would be okay to be like i love this person i trust this person yes let me bring this person's friend into my house where in this conversation i love this person i trust this person she's telling me this so i'm gonna have a conversation with her not just be like Oh, Billy's telling me that they made out. So now, Jen, I'm going to call you. Uh... Or, yeah, <laughs> like he's just he's just so insecure. He is. He's insecure and he lashes out and it's very hard to watch. So the three of them are talking on the beach and Dawson says, so who is it? Who's the third wheel? Like, which one of us needs to go? And Jen says, I think it's me. And Jen leaves the two of them there on the beach, which good for her. I was happy to see her take herself out of that conversation. So then Dawson and Pacey bring Joey home. She is drunk. Mm -hmm. And we know from earlier in the episode that Alexander is a bad sleeper and that if they wake him up, they're screwed. So Pacey goes in and turns off the monitor and steps on a toy and does wake him up and then starts reciting the entire plot of the English patient, as you said, to keep him at bay, which was so cute. Such a cute So cute. But Dawson takes Joey and puts her to bed on the couch and chooses that moment to be like, hey, I I know that this isn't a good moment, but I just wanted to let you know (laughs) that I know things have been weird between us, but... Yeah, I think think he was just trying to, you know, uh, yeah, it was weird. I, I don't think he was having a real conversation with her. I think he was just kind of saying it to get it out. Like he was writing in his diary kind of a thing. He says, things are weird right now, but they're gonna they're gonna be fine. You're my best friend in the whole world. And if you need me, I'll always be there. Yes. And then Joey opens her eyes and kisses Dawson on the mouth. Their second kiss, right? Because they kissed in the mm-hmm. last episode. Then Dawson says, all right, Pace, let's go. They get in the boat. In Joey's boat? Are they in? I would, I would have to think. So they're in Joey's boat. They're rowing across the creek. And Dawson kind of like just throws it out there casually like, and then she kissed me. And Pacey's like, what? And they have this conversation about love he's like no love is what i have with jen like joey's just always there for me and my best friend and whatever and he says what i have with jen is love what i have with joey is friendship and pacey says are you so sure that you know the difference yeah what are your thoughts about that i don't think dawson loves jen obviously i think dawson and joey love each other but looking back on it now like do we think pacey was jealous do we think i mean who knows it's a good it's a good little scene i love dawson and pacey as friends and i love their friendship scenes i don't like when they fight yeah the last episode was a tough one it's nice to see them coming back together again it was just it was a really good episode for pacey so after the boat ride dawson goes into his room and billy's packing up and he basically says jen dumped me you win and then dawson sees jen out on the dock and then he goes out so he goes out thinking he won he goes out so excited apologetic for the comment that he made which was below the belt and that's when jen launches into her i'm pretty i'm lucky i'm fortunate and i'm still unhappy most of the time 
I've never stayed in on a Saturday night. Yeah, she's realizing that she needs to take some time for herself and like really just live a normal, quiet life. Yeah, and she says to Dawson, you know, I always make fun of you for being idealistic and, you know, looking at the world with these rose-colored glasses on, but I envy you because, you know, obviously she's she's lived a lot more life than he has. He's very naive, but he do, he does kind of look at the world with these rose-colored glasses on. And that informs a lot of his character. And the fact that she doesn't informs a lot of her character. They're just not a match. They're not. At this point, they're not a good match. The breakup scene isn't a good look for either of them. She's oscillating back and forth. And he's first, he's like, you can't just come in here and make me fall for you and then bail. And then she does. And he's like, I'm going to find somebody new, somebody who doesn't just blow into town and He's just experiencing emotions. I mean, when you get dumped, you're going to experience two emotions. You're going to be sad or you're going to be angry. I mean, I guess you could be happy. Yeah. He's angry. Like, you know, someone could say that to me about Jen. If you have a boyfriend and like the ex love of your life comes to town, maybe obviously you'd feel torn. I mean, these are just people experiencing emotions. We're just judging them based on how they perceive and react. But And he's young. Honestly. Navigating emotions at that age is so crazy. And the emotions are so intense. Yeah, I think in the breakup, look, neither of them look good, but breakups are ugly. And what are you going to do? I mean, you react how you react. I want to talk about Alexander's nursery wallpaper. Is it clouds? It's the clouds. Okay. I wanted to talk about that too, because... Where do I get it? My high school bedroom, I painted those clouds on my wall. That is like exactly what my high school bedroom looked like. And then my friends would come over and we would hang out in my room and I had Sharpies and we would write like quotes on the wall. It made me laugh because I was like, oh yeah, that's what happens when you let teenagers and young adults live by themselves. They put clouds on the wall. It's so cute. It's so cute. You can do it yourself. Get a sponge. Also, let's talk about Bessie's. I mean, we shouldn't, we should never comment on a person's body, good or bad. Mm. But shall we talk about Bessie's post-baby body? Bounced right back. Looking snatched. Looking like a <laughs> looking like a snack. Looking like she um, was never pregnant at all. So crazy. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Anyway, really just really just looking good. Looking good, Nina Rapita. Maybe that might contribute to the unrealistic standards women hold themselves <laughs> to to bounce back after a baby. 90s television, who knew? These these are the things I wanted to talk about. Alexander's nursery wallpaper, Pacey's fisherman friend. <laughs> Bessie looking so goals. And the last thing, which was pointed out to me by listener Mackenzie, the direct address. Direct address meaning when they use each other's names in dialogue when talking to each oh, other. Oh, gotcha. And now I can't unhear it. So as a writer, <laughs> when there's two people in a scene together, I just feel like you never use direct address. When Joey and Dawson are in scenes together, if you took a drink every time one of them uses direct address, you would be stomach pumped by the end Dead. of the episode. Why do they use direct address so much? It's crazy. It's like, Joe, come on, Joe, Dawson, come on, stop watching classic movies. Joe, I've watched every new release. Joe, Dawson, it's like, it's crazy. Now that's been pointed out to me, I can't unhear it. Yeah. On last week's episode of our podcast, I said your name once and I was like, that was weird. No one uses direct address in real life. That's the thing. It doesn't happen, happen. especially in a conversation between two people, because why would you? 
it's just weird. I don't know. It got pointed out to me. And now I can't unhear it. It's the word Dawson gets said like 30 times an episode. Jen uses it. Mitch uses it. Joey uses it. Pacey uses it. They all use it. And it's just not great. It's not great. I'm going to keep track next episode. See how many drinks everyone should be taking. Where is your head at with Mitch and Gail? It parallels the Dawson Jen thing a little bit. And Mitch definitely is taking jabs at Gail the way that Dawson is taking jabs at Jen. But I feel like obviously in the Mitch case, it's much more justified. Like their therapist says that they should try new things, things that neither of them have ever done. And Gail suggests scuba diving. So they take scuba diving lessons. And they come home and she's like, the instructor said that we need to try to stay close and whatever. And you were moving away from me. And he's like, imagine that me getting bitched at for being the one floating away from you. I commend them for trying to make it work. I don't know if I would have the strength to do that. I really don't know. Like if I were in that situation, how I would react. But yeah, they're putting in the work. It's really awkward. Their dynamic is super awkward in this episode. Mitch is really just working through his hurt. So in the cold open, Dawson asks Joey, whatever happened to the old protagonists, the ones that are likable but not self-involved, the ones that are smart but not arrogant, like whatever happened to those old school guys, you know? And he makes some comparisons between him and his dad the whole episode. But obviously, I do you think he's talking about, like, is Mitch the one that's likable but not self-involved and smart but not I, arrogant? I don't know. I think he was talking about himself. And I think that he sees a lot of himself in his dad. Yeah, I think I think in the moment he was talking about himself. But like in the, in the scope of the episode, do you think Got that it. they yeah. were talking about Mitch? I don't know. Because obviously Dawson is, maybe Mitch being... Attacky was supposed to be him and Dawson kind of going through these similar emotions. I don't know, but Mitch doesn't really get as petty. He's only saying things that are relevant to their relationship. Yeah. Like Gail cheated on him. Gail did. She strayed. And he's like, imagine that. Me getting criticized for straying from you. Like I feel I so sad for them. There's a scene that they're getting, they're cooking breakfast, they're having coffee. She asks a question like, oh, do you have a meeting with the investors? And then they kind of get off track and Dawson comes in and then Dawson leaves. And Dawson really can't stand to be around his parents right now because all they do is bicker and it's weird and awkward. And then Dawson leaves and she says, so do you have a meeting with the investors? And Mitch is like, yeah, same answer that I gave you two and a half minutes ago. It's just so, uh, their things are just so awkward there. It is. My question is, if you were Mitch, do you think you could forgive an affair? I don't know. I really don't know. I really don't know what I would do. What about you? I, I definitely don't think I could forgive an affair, but I, I think I could forgive a one night stand kind of a sure. situation. But when it comes to an affair that just involves so much premeditated lying and it's like a trust issue where if, if they were able to lie to me for so long over mm-hmm. the course of a certain amount of time, then how do you ever trust that person again? Versus a one night stand in a different yeah. city, town, whatever. It's a, it's kind of like emotionless and it's more like scratching an itch, I think. Neither are great, obviously. But I think an affair is harder to forgive because that implies, I think also an affair implies there's something emotionally missing mm-hmm. and it's a symptom of a greater problem versus I think a one night stand is more like a physical. I think people who have one night stands could still love their person and they could be in a great relationship. But I think if you have an affair, I think you're looking for something outward that you're not finding in in your relationship. That makes sense. Yeah. It's also a harder pill to swallow because this is somebody that she works with and she's not going to quit her job and he's not going to quit his job. So you're not removing that like daily interaction, which that's tough. 
Yeah. And then how do you just trust them around any coworkers ever again? Or anyone. Or anyone ever again. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's hard. So it's like you don't really villainize Mitch. Like Mitch is just really going through some real mm-hmm. emotion. Yeah. Yes. Should we do a creek speak? We should do creek speak. We should do a bunch of creek speaks. The the first thing I want to talk about is we got some feedback from a listener, Sarah. Sarah from the Cape. The Cape. But Sarah yeah. from the Cape is watching along with us and we got some feedback that we're not doing enough. Like she's listening to our episodes and then she's like, now what do I do for the next week? So we have another Dawson's Creek pod recommendation for you guys. It's Creek Talk. Yeah, they're really great. Stephen and Jamie, they have been really supportive of us as we get our pod launched. And they're very funny. They're very insightful. Mm -hmm. When we were first getting up and running, we heard an episode of their podcast and we were like, oh, they're basically us. But you know what? They're on season four. And I have a bunch of friends who are already on season two. And they're like, you need to release more. And I'm like, slow down. We're doing we're doing one a week. But I have recommended their podcast to people who have who've gone ahead and I'm listening to them on season four right now. And I love that season, as I've said. And they're very funny. They're very nice. They're very supportive. And I totally recommend them. I, I do think they have a similar kind of a banter. Yeah, they're a good listen. And if you're looking to fill in some time between our episodes coming out, they'll scratch a similar itch, I think. Mm-hmm. But should we read a review or yeah, two? Absolutely. I'm going to pull some of these reviews from our Apple podcast page. So if you haven't already left us a review, please do. Rating and reviewing really does help us. So if, you, if you're if you liking, please do. So this is from Solicitor, I believe is how you would pronounce it. Left a five-star review and she says, or he says, an informative, funny, nostalgic look back at Dawson's Creek from two engaging hosts who have been fans since the first episode. Can't wait to hear more. And then we have another five-star review from Yes Life Babe. She or he says, very well done. Finally, a Dawson's podcast that doesn't make me cringe. As a fan of Rewatch Podcasts, finding one for this show that I love so much has been a challenge to say the least. But the way these two have structured their show and the way they communicate with each other is superb. You feel like you're actually hanging out with friends while rewatching the show. And the behind the scenes info is super cool to listen to. Definitely one I'll keep up with. That's so nice. Yeah. Oh my God, they're so nice. And then... I think this is pronounced Hey Sue Bend. Uh, great job. If you're a fan of Dawson's Creek, you'll love this. Fun podcast and hosts. Yeah. Will someone please, for the love of God, leave us a voice note on Instagram? I'm waiting for it. Leave us a voice note along with your name and, and where you live and we'll play it. But yeah, I, I do check the Apple podcast reviews. And if you want to have a conversation about anything that you've picked up from the show or anything that we've talked about slide into our dms also we have gotten feedback that there's too much cursing and that the episodes are too short so we are working on not cursing and doing longer episodes but not too long you know we'll we'll try to keep it around that hour mark for you yeah you know 44 minutes to an hour just like your classic television show exactly did we have anything fatal attraction just dropped uh, april 30th on paramount plus so everyone watch that. We'll probably get into it a little bit on the next episode. I'm excited to watch. What will be our Dawson's drink for next time? Next week's episode 109 is called In the Company of Men. And we will be drinking a Rhode Island Red. 
So you'll need Blanco tequila, Chambord, lemon juice, agave, orange bitters, and ginger beer. I'm excited for that. I think it'll be good. It sounds like a good summer cocktail. And the temperatures are rising. The temperatures are rising both on Dawson's Creek and in real life. Yeah. I guess that's all we got. I will say there is a potential writer strike coming. And if we strike, I mean, we could do, we could do two episodes a week, maybe. I don't know. We could we really could just probably to... do one a day. <laughs> just We could just them. plow, plow <laughs> through it. Well, anyway, Dawson fans and Pacey stands. This was episode 108, Escape from New York. And... Next time will be episode 109 in the company of men, where we will be drinking a Rhode Island Red. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week with episode 109. Outro music. Bye.